What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. My name is Tom Westrom, joined today by MassLive.com's Brian Robb. B-Rob, how are you doing, man? I'm good. I'm looking forward to um, seeing Jalen Brown back on the court this week. And um, I think um, the same goes for probably everyone else in this little organization after that road trip. <laughs> I think I think I, I'm just ready to watch literally anything be different, uh, whatever it is, like whether they whether they like, you know, continue to, to tank their way down to uh, Paolo Banchero or whether whether they uh, turn things around here a little bit. But um, we're going to get into a few things here. We're going to talk about Jalen's return. We're going to talk about some of the issues the Celtics have had with various lineups, we'll talk a little bit about the upcoming schedule. But before we get into all that, I did want to talk about the the road trip uh, with you. Obviously, Grenham and I covered quite a bit of it. I mean, um, why do you want to do this? Why do you want to start like this? With, does anyone <laughs> well, want to hear about this road trip? I want to, I want to, you were, so you were in LA. Um, and I'm just curious, like, I mean, was there anything that you kind of gleaned from being there? I mean, is there any, uh, any, any major takeaway from, from kind of being, uh, being around the team during this disastrous stretch? I think the biggest takeaway is they, they had too much downtime in LA before these, yeah. before these games happen. Cause that's, that's when the, that's when the trip went haywire. <laughs> um, <laughs> to, to say the least. I mean, it's, it was a situation where I don't know, like going into this road trip, I think two and three would have been perfectly acceptable, especially totally. with Jay, once, once Jalen was rolled out be like, yeah, that that's a, that's not a great trip, but that's an, that's an acceptable trip. Yep. And the way the, the opponents line 500, all that 500 is exactly. got 500. And then it lined up nicely with, okay, you miss Lillard, you miss. Um, and then the Clippers, you missed Paul George. And then you missed Aiden and, then Booker, yeah, two and three became not just acceptable, but almost required when you have that kind of a, a setup. And for for things to just come apart as they did um, in those three games, where I don't know what did they play like a quarter of two or two of good basketball, like maybe in that Clippers game. And I think even that is a stretch. It's like, yeah, they came back in that third quarter, but then they pretty much gave it all back before the end of the quarter. And so you just you look at it, and there was there was really tough to glean any real notable from the whole trip. I mean, Portland was obviously something else. They shot out of their minds and the jazz game was an incredible game, incredible, like high level shooting on both sides for a change. But when you just look at the three games, it was kind of the last three games. It was just the, the worst case scenario for this team, you know, this season and honestly this roster. And um, I'm not sure Jalen Brown's going to be solving all the issues that that we kind of saw there to me, like, I think, I think you're right that two and three was, was kind of required. I think, I think, especially when you start to look at the guys who were out, I mean, I think you can start talking about three and two, right? Like you, yeah. you had to win that Portland game. I mean, just to, to let Brandon Boston beat you against the Clippers, you know, Gretem and I went on a, went on a rant about how the Celtics absolutely should have drafted him. I won't get back into that, but you know, like when you look at this team and just how, much like last season's team they've, they've looked. Um, I mean, you had that tweet that was like, they were, they're 13 and 13 again yeah. <laughs> you know, for the second time. Like that's, there's not a lot of encouragement um, to be had, I think uh, from any of that. I mean, even like, even with Tatum kind of continuing to score a little bit more, I don't know how much that's going to affect any wins over the next month. That was kind of the thing that I wanted to get into next. So just to keep things on a real light note, let's talk about how they could be 16 and 20 by the time December uh, finishes <laughs> up here. Games against the, the, the Clippers again, they have the Bucks twice. They have the Suns. 
I mean, there's a lot of losable games over this next stretch. And I guess what I'm curious about from your perspective is maybe they win a few of these games. Maybe they give us some encouraging signs. But if things kind of progress the way that you kind of expect them to, what do you make of this team and kind of their future going into January? Like, at what point do we start having real conversations about what Brad Stevens has to do and not real conversations about what Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Ime Udoka have to do? Yeah, I think it's to your point. I think it might even be before January hits yeah. if, if things, you know, be, if, if trade season starts hitting up with other teams. Because you look around the league, and I'm, I mean, I think it's fair to say that we're not going to be seeing any seismic deals by Brad Stevens. Obviously, like Tatum and Brown aren't going anywhere. Um, but beyond that, like entire roster, Tom, I don't know, like, is anyone off limits? Like, is any possible? And then, and there's, there's certainly guys that you would be more inclined to hold on to than others. But I think you have enough of sample size when like you brought up the, the last season versus this season now. And I guess the one thing they can hold on to here is Jalen being back. And maybe that pushes everyone else kind of into place here um, in terms of their, their spot and playing a role. But you know, they're, they'll be lucky to get out of December to your point, like 500. Oh, and yeah. so if you're right. So if you're, if you're looking at that and you're looking at young guys on the bench that aren't developing at all, it's one thing to be 500. It's another thing to be 500 and like literally not developing those guys period. And so that's, that's where if you're Brad Stevens and if things kind of go haywire here, I think you have to make a decision there to be like, okay, are we, developing those guys now and do we have to do I have to make room for those guys to develop i.e clear out some of the guys in their way or do we need to go in the other direction and be like if we want to get serious about doing something now do we have to cash in some chips to actually add another impact player to to, which i don't think they probably won't happen because a i don't think those guys are available and b i'm not sure if they make the difference but like i think you have to don't you have to pick a path there at this point like because this 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 path they're on for the last two years is, is a path to, to 500. And that's not where you want to be. You, you mentioned that you feel like Tatum and Jalen are both, you know, obviously off limits. And I, I, I think I largely agree with you. I don't think that's going to happen, but I, I do wonder when they're going to have to start talking about that just from the perspective of you have to start maximizing these guys at some point. Right. And yeah. like, if it's not working, what is the trade or what is the move that is going to do that. And so if they're going to pick a path, right, I feel like your options are to either kind of ride out this season and just say, look, let's do what we can this year and try to make some big moves in the off season. Cause that seems to be Brad's plan all through the off season. It was like, okay, I mean, maybe Bradley Beal isn't the option if he's just like bad now, I don't know, but it did seem like his big plan was to go into next off season with trade chips and, and, and contracts that could match up. So you could try to trade, for a superstar to pair with Jalen and Tatum. So I I feel like the two options are either make a big move, really make a move or like that, that, that shakes up kind of what you've been planning to do with this team for years now, or kind of ride it out and just hope for the best. And yeah, there's going to be some like some painful times throughout this season because like this team just isn't good enough. But if your grand plan was to try to trade for a star in the off season, I think you either, either you don't deviate from that or you start talking about really big moves, like moves that would that would seismically change this team. Right. And yeah, I think that's a good point. Like you, 
waiting another year for that to happen if you don't have to, or another half a season for that to happen, like I don't is is not needed at this point. Like you're not because this team currently as composed isn't worth waiting around for if like those opportunities won't be able. Whether those guys, whether there's anything of that, you know, level that becomes appealing and is available midway through, you know, the next month or two, my guess is it's doubtful. Yeah. Um, knowing, guessing that Brad Stevens is probably more of the conservative mindset in terms of something like that right now. But I'm with you on that. Like that's that's the kind of thing you have to start looking at hard right now, based on where this team's been out for you know a year and a half, right? Or even longer than that, going back to you know how things ended after even like back in the bubble. Exactly. It's like, even, even if you look back in the bubble, it's like, well, they, yes, they made it to the Eastern conference finals, but what did they do there? Like they, they disappointed against a heat team that really wasn't that good. I I mean, who did they beat in the bubble? They beat the completely dysfunctional Sixers and a Raptors team that was fine. You know, we've, we've seen now that that Raptors team was pretty middling. So like, I just think that when you look back at the history of this team and and where things are at, there's a lot of cause for concern. And I I think to your point, I I don't think that there's going to be a lot that comes available that is going to be worth a seismic shift. I mean, the the one guy that I'm curious about is Dame, just because I do wonder if, you know, if, if he became available and you started having conversations about bringing in a guy who is a veteran who just wants to win, who can kind of be sort of like a leadership type, like superstar, like not just a, not just like a star, but like also somebody who's like, okay, I'm almost coming in and kind of that KG role of like, I've never won and I need to start winning now. That's kind of interesting to me. And obviously that's like a pretty big picture thing. And we don't have to get into like too many specifics there. I do. I I think your overall point of like, there's just not going to be too many guys who are available is is definitely true, but I do think that at some point these awkward conversations are going to start to have to happen. I'm sure they've already started in the Celtics front office because you can't look at this team and think that there's something very positive happening here. Right, because you look at me like even Jalen coming back right now is great, but like their record this year with Jalen in and out of the lineup is pretty much the same. Yeah, yeah, and it's, they're they're six and seven with him. Right. Yeah. yeah, so that's exactly. So it's like there are other guys, there are other you know factors involved in those games where like all those. Games are not created equal, but it's still like you're not also dealing with like a three game sample size there either. And at some point you just get really sick of like talking about the other factors involved because I mean, right. of course, of course there are. Jason Tatum is averaging like 21 points a game in games where Jalen plays. There's a million factors in that, right? It's like, OK, Tatum, you know, has to has to take over in games where Jalen doesn't play. And, you know, their net rating together is like plus five when the Celtics overall net rating is plus one. And it's like. All of those things are, can, can be true and, and the Celtics are still under 500 and they still look like, like, exactly like last year's team. Like, like at some point, the factors, I, I don't know, they, they just, it gets kind of old talking about them. Let, let's get into a couple more things about Jalen's return, because obviously him coming back is, is a huge deal. If there's kind of one overarching thing that you're, that you're looking for him to do, what, what would that be? Like, where, where do you hope to see him make the biggest difference? Surprisingly... But if you look at the numbers, it, it, it might be the defensive end. Yeah. Uh, because they've been, I mean, particularly on this road trip, they were an absolute mess the whole way. You know, there's a lot of slippage from a lot of different guys, but that's someone who, in terms of versatility, um, you know, at multiple positions and also, you know, you you move one of your point guards to the bench and intruder there and like hide, I think, one of your at points a weaker defender for against other starting groups. Like he's, I think he's, gets exposed later in games in a lot of those games, at least on this trip. Yep. Being shooter there. So I think 
that's first and foremost. I mean, offensively, it's tough to, you know, expect too much out of a gate. I mean, he's been out again for another 10 days here. So yep. to have him come back into the gate and score 25 or 30 against the defending champs on Monday night, I think that's a, a tall ask. But then again, he came back from COVID and went, what do you go for against the Knicks? Like freaking, you know, 40 points or whatever. So mm-hmm. like you can't put anything past him there. But is that like where where do you think he fits in offensively right now for a team that obviously doesn't, you know, I feel like even when he was there, didn't really have much of a rhythm offensively. So it's like, what is he, is that going to solve anything? I guess the thing that it does is it, it does give you kind of like better overall distribution. Yeah. You know, when, when usage this year, according to cleaning the glass is 26.7%. I mean, that's like, that's just 26.7% of your possessions that are, that end with, you know, a Jalen Brown shot. That's, that's better than like <laughs> better than any like of those. pretty much anything else on this roster that isn't Tatum. <laughs> right. So Very good point. he's, he's real high on the, on like assist percentage, all kind of like those kind of nerdy stats. He's, he's, he looks good this year. The larger point though, I, I think you're right that it's the defense. And I think you, you can look, you don't have to look any further than the starting lineup. Tatum, Smart, Al Horford, Rob Williams, they're outscoring opponents by 19.6 points per hundred possessions. If you just swap Jalen out for Schroeder, they're getting outscored by 18.6 points per hundred. So it's like, I mean, it's like a 30 point swing. And those numbers are a little bit unfair to Schroeder. You know, if you look at how he's been this year, he's a very minor negative uh, when he's like his on off numbers, like those, but that, that lineup is just getting obliterated and it's got to go. And it's all on the defensive end. Because if you, again, if you just make that swap, the Celtics go from like giving up about 110 points per hundred to 86.7 points per hundred. So it is just like the defensive shift alone in just the starting lineup in just those opening minutes where, Hey, maybe the Celtics don't go down by 21 in the first half. Um, just in the, in, in that initial lineup, it's, it's pretty noteworthy. Yeah. I mean, that's a great deck for that number because that's Ime Odoka after that Friday night game in Phoenix was like, you know, we're going to look at changes here today. Yeah. I practice kind of scaled that back because he was probably looking at the exact same numbers that you pulled up there. And it was like, if we bring Jalen in, we're kind of whole here. Like yeah. that's, that starting group is not a problem. That is like, if anything, we need to play more of that. Despite the fact that the other starting five, you know, on this road trip, and even before that, like was just a, a disaster. And honestly, the, the plug should have been pulled on that. I think a while ago. And that, you know, may have cost, obviously it didn't cost him the Phoenix game, but I think that Clippers game, like, you know, Rob was an absolute mess. Like they're just, they should not have been playing double bigs on top of like the, the, the shooter smart, like spacing issues. It just, it just didn't work on a variety of levels. And they, they came back one and four, I think partially due to that. Yeah. What's, what's your take on the double big? Cause I know I've seen a lot of people talking about that. The numbers don't suggest that it's particularly bad, but Rob has not looked good over He's the just, last like week or two. What do you think is up with him? Like it's, I literally have no idea. It's scary regression. I mean, it's, it's kind of like back to rookie year, Rob, where it's like, this is why he wasn't on the floor for more than, you know, 10 minutes, most nights, or would go, you know, buried in the rotation because, you know, just fall. And again, he's a young player. Like maybe it's just, you know, a bad week and he'll come back. He'll come out against the bucks and look more like himself. But it was, it was certainly came at a time where they couldn't afford that kind of Horford came back to earth. You know, when you factor that in, you know, smart shooting is smart shooting. And, you know, when he tries to do too much, we saw firsthand in Phoenix, like what, what that looks like. So you put it all together and then you just have an absolute like disaster of an offense. It's a situation there where I agree, like the, the double bigs together that looks on paper, it's fine. And with that lineup, it's fine. But still, if Horford to me, it's like if Horford and smart shooting from three does not 
regressed to the mean, which it, it hasn't been. They're both yeah. well under 30% at this point. I don't know how long you can stick with it. Like, even with Jalen back, that's still not enough spacing. And particularly if Rob's like not even looking at the rim unless he's getting a lob. And when you talk about that, I mean, the lineup that I've kind of been wondering about swap out Horford for Grant, right? Yeah. And then and then you get that like corner, that extra spacing in the corner. Horford goes to the bench and can kind of help those lineups out. And I mean, like you, because like you said, Rob is, I mean, like all he's, yeah, he's the only time he's looking at the rim is, is when there's one second left on the shot clock and he gets to shoot his mid-range jumper yeah, right. against Phoenix or when he's looking down into the rim because he's up above it for an alley-oop. To me, like the, the, the Grant swap would make some sense there. The biggest issue this Celtics team has, the biggest issue this Celtics team has is three-point shooting and Garrison Matthews is just lighting people up in Houston Meanwhile, Jabari Parker is doing nothing. I mean, on the that looks, I know it's, I know Garrison Matthews would not be putting up those numbers here, but that still looks very bad at this point to, to, to cut that guy for, and to keep Jabari Parker. It's like one thing, if you're going to keep that roster spot open, right. The thing where you're like, okay, we kept Jabari Parker who, yeah, that may have helped. So he had a good half at some point um, in Charlotte or whatever. And then that's yeah. been it. Whereas Garrison Matthews is like led the Rockets on like a six game winning streak. I mean, he's shooting he, like he's shooting from like 30 feet off the dribble, off the catch. Like he looks amazing. It's it's ridiculous. I there are certain moves that they've made that were just completely unforced errors, right? Like yeah, Jabari versus Garrison Matthews was just an unforced error. Like I, I I'm I'm probably contradicting myself because I probably said something about like his size helping early on. Like because I I mean I was like everybody else, you know, trying to make sense of like okay, here's why the Celtics are doing what they're doing. I just figured the Celtics wanted another big forward, you know, just kind of like another guy who they could, another body they could throw out there. But like in retrospect, it's like, well, what what are you going to need more? That big body or can, or can you maybe just get by with Grant and throw Garrison Matthews and you had And you had Wancho too. Spacing. You also had another, like, you had another bigger forward. I mean, they're different body types, but you, you had another, you know, tall forward there if you needed it. And yeah, like to your point, what do you, what did you need more? There's no surprise. Like this team needed shooting and, yeah. and you had shooting for the minimum and you could, you had a spot and you kept a guy that was very redundant with a lot of the pieces you already had in this roster. Yeah. So, I mean that, like that one annoys me, the BJ Boston thing. I know I said, I wasn't going to talk about it. That <laughs> one annoys me because they took, they took a project, right? I know he was drafting stash. I know that's the, like the reason they took him and everything, but they took a project when they could have just taken a good project and right. gotten the guy who's like putting up like 28 against them or 27 against them. I mean, these, these are just like unforced errors to me. I, I don't know. Quick aside that smart Jalen Tatum, Grant Williams, and Rob Williams in 46 possessions, which is nothing. They have outscored opponents by 43 points per 100. Mm. So, okay. you know, Listen. Uh, take a little look there. We always want to give a shout out to our friends over at the Shades On Beer Company. They're the makers of the Geno Time Stout, but plenty of other delicious products like Juice Fountain 3, Buffalo Check, but we here at Geno Time are biased toward the Geno Time Stout. If you're a Celtics fan in Rhode Island, be sure to check out Shades On's Beer Garden and Tasting Room. They're down in West Kingston, Rhode Island. And if you're a Celtics fan in the Boston area, keep an eye out for the Geno Time Stout at your local liquor stores or any other Shades On Beer Company products. Really, if you're a Celtics fan anywhere in New England, keep an eye out for any of the Shades On Beer Company products. Does this stretch just kind of, de- do you think this is going to kind of define the Celtics season, like the next two weeks? Just I, I know it's it feels early to be saying that, and obviously it's a tough stretch, but I mean, if they, you know, if they start really slipping, it's going to be hard to get back. Yeah. 
there's no, I mean, 15 of their next 20 games are at home. So yeah. th- th- despite how tough the schedule like is in terms of the opponents, like you're, there's going to be no travel excuses. It's like, you're, you're there. They're going to have practice time this week to go over stuff. They're going to have fresh legs or should have fresh legs on paper. So yeah, like tough schedule, like, okay, whatever this is, you guys created this hole for yourself. So this is put up or shut up time because things are, are going to get interesting when it comes to the trade market. And this is, you know, Brad Stevens just talked about, you know, we're going to find out who's the right fit around Jalen and, and Jason. And if, if the, that seismic move that you talked about earlier is not there, well, the, the next step is, okay, let's figure out what we're doing with the rest of this roster and, you know, maybe package some assets for something for the future or decide to make a move to get, you know, the younger guys out of here and maybe bring in, you know, guys that Emiodoga can play and trust and that actually make a complete roster. Like one way or another, they need to, things need to happen there. And that's the decision-making process comes on that in the next month here, because I feel like there's a lot of teams, if you're going to make a bigger deal with one of your supporting cast players, I feel like a lot of contenders are going to want to make that deal earlier than later because that's, they want to get the comfort level of those guys on the roster. They're not going to want to make a big deal right at the trade deadline because they want a month or two to get that guy comfortable. A lot like, you know, when the Celtics traded Rondo back six or seven years ago, that deal was in December. That deal wasn't at the trade deadline. So you wonder if a deal like that could, could happen, you know, in the next month here, if, if Brad Stevens and company decides, Hey, this is, you know, this isn't working. Hang on. I, I just want to know when the Celtics traded Rondo. Oh no, you were right. Seven years ago. Okay. Seven? Yeah, that yes. felt like one of those things that you're like, Oh, it was like seven years ago. And then it turns out it was actually like 14 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're missing seven years in the interim there. All right, guys. Well, we will leave it there. The Celtics, uh, by the time you guys are listening to this, the Celtics are playing the bucks this evening, one way or the other. You can find Brian Robb on Mass. You can find Brian Robb's award-nominated work on MassLive.com. And uh, we will talk to you all again later this week.